Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Natasha, whose magic zone is the narrow gap between out of the comfort zone, but within the boundaries. Enjoy. Natasha. Welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Thank you. It's so lovely to have you here. I do not know you personally, which is always interesting, but you've been referred by Kayo, who was in the podcast last season, and I very much enjoyed the episode with him. And so I'm very curious what will emerge from this conversation. I am, from the brief interaction that we have had, I'm also very interested and curious. And I noticed that when I talk to you, the first sign that something's happening is like I notice what's happening in my body. I notice my breath and I notice, um, yes, like just like a relaxing and I just feel all my energy pulling around my heart. Uh, and my throat gets actually quite, um, it almost elongates. And that's, that's a key sign for like the brief, uh, talk we had before agreeing, you know, that we just felt each other out that I was, I'm also having a full body, like, yes, to this conversation. Amazing. I love the idea of the full body. Yes. I've been exploring that concept in the past week and maybe we can get back to that. But first I would love to know relating to self, you know, as a concept, as a term, what does that mean to you exactly? When I hear relating to self, I know immediately what it means to me. And then right after that, I have a little thing uh, that almost slightly criticizes <laughs> that initial impulse, because for me, relating to self and relating to other are not very separate. And I think that second part of me is still like a little bit of like residual shame left over from um, maybe a my earlier years of too much self before, of, I mean, too much other before self. So, and now I'm at that point of acceptance and recognizing that this is me and this is part of how I relate to myself is understanding where I exist in the world and what is that what is that relationship between me and the world, me and other people, uh, that ultimately there is no, no other and there is no self. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still, I, when I talk about it, like, again, this is, this is, this is me modeling it because I, I, I am truly an extrovert in the way that is the way that I understand it. And any of your listeners can, can, uh, can enlighten me if I don't have this correctly, but what I understand about introverts versus extroverts is, um, an introvert is someone who processes inside of themselves and an extrovert is someone who processes outside. And that is so deeply true for me in which I do not understand myself. 
until I am sharing myself. So whether that is in conversation or even now I've learned a little hack that I can make like a little video or a little message and that's actually getting it out, but I'll just stay inside of myself in a hamster wheel and nothing will happen until I actually project outwards. So I need people. I need others to understand myself. And therefore it becomes this pretty intricate ball of yarn uh, of trying to understand like where I end and others begin. And maybe I'm now at the stage where I don't know if that's, that ends up being particularly important. Hmm. Yes, this is a really interesting connection between two things that I've never really connected before, which is this idea of relating to self as a practice through sharing and through needing others to reflect and to understand who I am. And then this idea of extroversion and introversion as a, as a differentiator in that field. I would very much say that I am an introvert. And part of that is, yes, I process in silence and in myself more than with others. The other part of that is, I would say something like I resource and I recharge in silence and alone as well. I do understand that about introverts. Yes. 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 But then the, the interesting part is that there's definitely, I would say both modalities of understanding myself work for me. They're just different. I understand myself. If I sit in silence and meditate, I gain insights about who I am and what my place is in the world. And then when I talk to others and when I have conversations like these conversations on the podcast, I get different insights about myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Those are really interesting. So I'm, I'm really curious if in what you say that, you know, you're an extrovert, you process in public, you need others. Is there a part of yourself that you also still kind of explore internally in silence? Yes, but it just doesn't cohese. It's like, it's just a bunch of almost like particles floating in space. Like in that way, I almost start to say like, in other ways, I'm more ambivert. Like I need big chunks of time by myself to resource in order to be with people and give it my all. Like I'm not purely extrovert in that, like I only get energy from people. And in that kind of like, maybe the alone time is more of an integrative place, but also it's almost like just like a bunch of like molecules floating in space when I'm meditating or if I'm dancing or something that just don't cohese until I, I basically open my mouth um, and then start like, verbalizing and suddenly like you'll you'll see it happen i'll go whoa okay here it's coming like and that will that will just simply never happen on my own you know and even when i like now i'm learning the hack of like making a video now i learn like i used to in the beginning of course especially during the beginning of covid i was you know really struggling getting very stuck in my head uh And then luckily I have some beautiful colleagues and friends that I just like start to like make videos for and just be like, I just want to share what's happening because I feel really kind of like emotionally or psychologically constipated. You know, I'm just, I'm just blocked up. I'm just stuck. And then to be able to imagine this person receiving me, now I'm at the point where I can actually go like, I'll make a video. And I'm like, I don't know who's going to listen to this. Maybe no one. But here I am, and it it does help me to even see my own face or um, 
yeah, just to speak out loud. So that's beautiful. That's, that's really interesting. I want to dig into that because you said literally to imagine a person receiving me. So maybe it's not even about being heard about being received, but it's more about the process for you to actually externalize your thoughts or your being, right? Possibly. And also I'm receiving myself. Like I, there still is receiving happening because like when I watch, like, like, like I, I'm almost seeing myself and like, I, I can almost splinter that apart too, is that myself often sometimes feels slightly separate than me, um, that it is a part of me that I can like, yeah, peace out. So there, there still is receiving in there. Like, uh, and that's so, so I beautiful. believe like, I believe like the two are it, like almost there's an equal import Right. Like, that's what I imagine anyway. Yeah, but I really love this idea of receiving yourself because that's kind of like relating to self, right? There's there's no yeah. other needed there, which <laughs> yes. is really interesting. Yeah. I've thought a lot and spoken about how I also feel that the voice is one of the most powerful instruments we have for self-exploration, self-development, and so on. And so one of my practices is also speaking what is true for me regardless yes. of who hears it just for the act of speaking mm. and so something happens i feel when with the, the resonance of my, the voice in my body it makes it more real yes. but then of course also the hearing myself say those things just hearing <laughs> yes. those words in the space yes. changes something inside of me it feels like ah yes mm. i can believe it now like this is now real or something like that is that something you feel resonates with you very much so. And it reminds me of this. I was listening to a podcast, uh, The Hidden Brain, uh, recently, and there was an episode uh, that was talking about it was it was something I can't even remember what it what, what those the main theme of the something about um, working with business and also like more a little bit more authentic expression. And just the very act of asking someone, are you open to feedback? And even when people like, you know, in my work, we, we, we constantly use consent and asking for those things. And usually what we ask people is like, when I ask you if you're open, like really take a moment, check in and see if you're, you're actually open. But in this podcast, they weren't even talking about that. Just in the very thing, when you ask somebody like, Hey, are you open to some feedback? And even if they go, yeah, yeah, I'm open. Even if they haven't really embodied it, the chances of them actually receiving the feedback immediately just like, shoots up, I forgot the number uh, of the percentage points, but just the very act of saying, I am open, opens you more than if you had not, it, uh, rather than, so it, it does have that like little tip about consent. So that just like encapsulates what you're, what you're talking about for me. So yeah, I, yeah. I think it's really interesting that, you know, I feel something like humans have a tendency to want to be coherent. So when someone asks you a direct question like this, are you open to receiving feedback? And even if you don't feel it in an embodied way, but you say like, yeah, yeah, I'm open. Then after that, you'll try to be open because you don't want to backpedal on that. Right? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. like, I've said this, now I need to like show up for it. Otherwise I'll just be a, an idiot. So yes. I think that helps. Yes. And of course there's like a, there's a, there's a shadow to that as well. Right. And, and, uh, that goes deeper into like authentic expression and, and really, but like there's, there is light and shadow to, to absolutely everything. Um, and in this case, like just saying like, yeah, I am open. Like there might then be that much more 
if you actually slow down, check in with yourself and then actually really set that intention to yourself being like, yeah, I feel open. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I am ready to fully receive what it is that you have to share with me. And I can decide if I'm going to take it on or if I'm going to listen to it or whatever, like it's up to me, I'm the gatekeeper. And like, I feel really solid in that. I don't have to take it personally. Like that becomes a whole other deeper practice of like taking it from just being open, like 50% to what you have to say to 90% of what you have to say. And me to actually be able to go like, hmm, there's some interesting things in there. Let me, let me sit with those things and take them on rather than just pushing them away. I'm wondering now, as you're saying this about, you know, the way in which when we say that we're open, then probably we will be more likely to be open. I'm wondering if there's an aspect of that also that I sometimes notice that if I'm speaking too fast without checking in, it sometimes feels as if I'm like trying on a statement. Like if you'd ask me, are you open to receiving feedback? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I hear myself say that. And then I notice, wait, am I actually open? <laughs> so maybe just like trying on a statement. Yes, I'm open to feedback and then feeling your body go like, no, this is not the time. That could actually also be an interesting <laughs> practice to, to kind of like just allow yourself to say stuff and then notice what happens in your body from hearing that. When I hear you say that, if I, I imagine us being in that construct where I'm like, are you open to some feedback? And you go, yeah, sure. If I heard that, like, yeah, sure, and that that little shrug of your shoulders and, like, have that thing, I would go, I would either say, depending on how well I know you, I would be like, are you sure? I would actually like you to check that. I would actually like you to investigate whether you're sure. Or I might just go, if I don't know you well at all and I don't know your process, I, I might just go, you know, let's save it for another time. <laughs> and I'd actually move back. Right. Yeah. I have this like, you know, this like we've talked about the whole body thing, you know, and I have I I have practiced for years something called a fuck yes philosophy, which is like really like if it's not a full fuck yes, like it's it's a no. And so often when I'm with someone and and they're when I'm like, "Oh, would you like to do so this?" and they go, "Yeah, sure." Or, "Okay." Even those little things tip me off to something like it doesn't sound like a full yes. And maybe that's like, maybe English isn't your first language. Maybe that's just a, a little thing. So I'll investigate it. I'll stay curious and open. I'll go, is that, is that a yes? I can't really tell. Is that like a full yes? And they're like, mm. and usually you give someone one more moment. Yeah. Then I, then I check in with myself and go, is this really like, I can't tell if they're full Yes. So does that make me now less of a yes of wanting to like engage with them in whatever this particular topic of conversation was or feedback or so on? I'm curious about how you navigate that for yourself. Um, I feel there is a point at which when people offer me new opportunities or new experiences that maybe I don't know much about, I have a hard time sometimes feeling a full body yes or a fuck yes, because I don't really know what will happen. And then in the past, when I go through this methodology and go like, no, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Then I think something like, hmm, maybe I'm missing an interesting experience here. 
you know, that I could not have given a fuck yes to because I don't really know what it is. But what if I stay open for it and just go like, "Hmm, okay, let's see how it goes. And so I wonder if if that's something that you've solved in yourself, like when it comes to these explorations of things you don't really know yet. I think I have. I think I have by like what comes up to me because I noticed like some excitement and it's been a long journey with this, like a long journey uh, with this. Uh, let's see, 25 plus years uh, when I first created that like idea about myself that I needed to really have that. So over time, it's it's morphed and it's had a lot of like little shifts and subtleties. And so for me, a no also just might be no, not with this level of information. Like, like, oh, there might be something in there that is so. So a lot of times, for instance, someone's like, ooh, you know, you want to get together this weekend. If it's not a full yes, I'll ask for more information. Like, it's it's just like, I'm like, oh, well, what were you thinking about? And what, uh, or if somebody goes, oh, wow, I've got this like really interesting podcast for you to be on, you know, I'll go, wow, that sounds really interesting. Can I have more? Can I have more information? And I'll just wait until it gets to a point where like, it's either I'm like, oh, Oh, it's moving towards a yes. It's it's shifting there or it's just kind of plateauing or it's not really gaining any type of momentum. And that's almost like a that's almost like a body feeling now. I don't involve my mind too much in it. But at a certain point there was like it's like, oh, this is not a full yes yet. But there it's that yet that is that openness. Um and of course, in the very beginning, it needed what it what it really was was like I wasn't capable of saying no, and so the 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 onus or the focus was really on me saying if it is not a fuck yes, it's a no, and and to really really practice and feel stable like when I can really fully say no, and really mean it, then my yes starts to mean more. And, and now it's just like, again, over like 25 years, it's developed these little subtleties. And I think what you say is really valid about like, for some other people, it might actually be the opposite. Some people I think say no is their default and actually really trying to find like, what is the yes in this? What is the yes in this for me? Like, oh, I'm a yes to spending time with you this weekend. I'm just not a yes to spending time with you going out to a bar or something. Actually, what I really want is is connection with you. So that's I'm a yes to spending time with you. So can we can we now be creative around that? Beautiful. Yeah. I love this idea of just asking for more information until you feel yourself moving to yes. That's beautiful. And I guess one of the things that I've learned for myself and that I try to perhaps also speak about so that people will be inspired to do this for for themselves is that I try to create easy heuristics for me to make decisions in everyday life. Because obviously there was a point at which I was thinking something like, I need to wait until I'm enlightened to be able to interact with the world. Like in order to fully embody my yes and my no, you know, <laughs> as long as I'm not perfect, I won't be able to really do this. Yeah. So now it's more about like, okay, knowing that I am not perfect and I will never be perfect and I will never be enlightened. What kind of decisions can I make easily 
that will improve the way I relate to myself and to the world. Mm. So in that sense, I guess that's where this idea comes from of like perhaps staying open sometimes to say yes to things you don't know. But I agree that your method is much better and just to ask more information. I'm definitely going to do that. Thank you. Okay. Now, now this, this, this actually brings up another uh, really beautiful practice that I had a few years ago, which is radically different, <laughs> but it's, it still overlaps somehow and some Venn diagram of self-development, it still overlaps. So uh, years ago, I was, I was, I was teaching dance classes and I had uh, a, I had a participant in one of my courses. I invited her to like some, like what she called kind of hippie evening. Um, I can't even remember what it was, but I just thought, I said, oh, you know, you might, you might really be interested in this evening. And she goes, well, what is, what is that about? She, she hit me and she admitted later of, of being a very deeply skeptical Scandinavian person. <laughs> it seems to be a, a little bit of a, a value set around here. Uh, my, my mother is the, the queen of that for me. But I, I so I, I said, oh, it's going to be like all these like you know, super open people and, you know, lots of hugging and touching. This, of course, was pre-COVID. And and she just like looked at me and she just had this this fun, this look on her face that was like, and I think she went, oh, and then she goes, oh, shit, I guess that means yes. And I said, what just happened with you? And she goes, well, I'll admit the reason why I'm even in this dance course is because I'm taking this like embodied leader training and one of the homework assignments we have during this year of this course is anytime we actually feel resistance or even repulsion towards something, that means we have to check it out. And I was like, oh, that is so badass. She's like, so the minute you say this, I'm like, ugh, I know that I have to do this. And where I'm thinking where this overlaps is like what she was a yes to was working on this part of herself. Like that was the, that was the hack, right? That was the, that was, that was the, 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 the doorway in, into this thing. And I remember going like, oh my God. And I think it was, I think it was almost towards the end of a calendar year. And like that year I was also going through some big stuff. And that was an attention I set for that next year was anytime. And this, again, this is like 20 years after I've had this like yes to no philosophy. So I was like, okay, how are these two going to overlap? And that January I started with this, like anytime, you know, I read about this like festival and I just went, oh, and I went, oh, okay, great. Oh, guess that means, and I just was like, no, that means like, damn it. It was one thing if I just had like no, no reaction, then it was just a no. But if I really had this, like it was pushing on some type of wound or resistance that I had, that would really behoove me to check out. And that year I had such expansive, remarkable like experiences. Um, and I still managed to like, of course, I have a very, I, I want to put this as a caveat, especially to anyone listening, is that at that point, I really, really trust my own boundary set. So for instance, this festival, which sounded just terrifying to me, I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go with this enormous boundary set that I have. And with my, what I find to be a very finely tuned bullshit detector, like I don't have to let anything in. I can go there and still be true to myself. I can be in what I call the magic zone, which is this fine little narrow gap 
between my, what is just outside of my comfort zone, but still within my boundary set. Like that is where they always say like, oh, you're ma like the magic happens when you leave your comfort zone. And I'm like, yes. And there's a cat like, but it's still within the boundary set. <laughs> so that's where, that's where my magic face is. And that, that was where I was really able to, to take that practice to the next level for myself. Beautiful. People have not seen this, but I sat here nodding empathically as yes, you were I know. speaking. I was, like, I was like, what's <laughs> happening for you right now? <laughs> I noticed. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I was really excited when you brought that up because um, one of the things that I strongly believe in also to do for myself is whenever I notice fear or resistance is that, yes, I want to step towards that fear or the resistance to see what's there. Usually that's a shadow I haven't accepted. It's something in me that is unresolved that I need to examine. And then going to places where this kind of feeling comes up, obviously, is a way to explore that feeling, like what's happening with me here. But I love, I absolutely love what you say about how it's imperative that your boundaries are strong enough to be able to do that. And I think that's where I went wrong in the past. Like, I think I had well, non-existent boundaries pretty much. And so in, a, in, in that kind of position, you just can't explore those shadows when you don't know that you have the power to at any point say no or remove yourself from a situation and know exactly what it is that you can, you can handle, right? So I'm curious, what would you say has been the best way for you to create better boundaries for yourself? Well, funny, just to loop it right back, is that is that no practice that I first developed was really, really like, I, so, so I'll tell you a little bit about it in my early twenties. And I just had pretty much a, a pretty big psychological break. Uh, I really struggled uh, with pretty severe depression uh, throughout childhood and it got, it got very strong in my teenage years. And so by early twenties, I just felt um, yeah, that I didn't really want to be on this earth anymore. And, uh, and I did spend some time in, uh, yeah, kind of, a in a hospital, in a hospital for, for a while, just to give myself like a break and just repair. And I, I lost my, my voice. I thought I had caught laryngitis, which it was probably hysterical laryngitis. I mean, I just, my, my throat completely closed up. And for three weeks I said nothing. And I just was curled up in this, this hospital bed. And I remember when I, when I left the hospital and I was staying with a, a close friend of my mother's, she took me in and I think she just offered me like a cup of tea or, or, or dinner or something, or uh, could have been a biscuit. But I remember, I, I remember just saying no, it was the first word I said in weeks. And, and I don't know, I don't think, again, it's many, many years ago. I don't know if it hit me immediately or, or shortly after. Like, how often had I actually ever said no in my life? I was so desperate for love. And so that I, that I almost always said yes to any time anybody asked anything of me. And of course, that is what got me into an even more perilous and empty situation was that I just always just gave and gave and gave of myself. Uh, um, and it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a no win situation. 
And I think suddenly something was like, could this be, could this be something that might save me? And I, I told myself, I think it was, uh, if I remember, it was like August or September of that year. And so I thought, could I say no anytime anybody asked me a yes or no question to the end of the year? And again, like, remember, this is like pre-internet and this is like pre, you know, I didn't have any access to self-help books or to therapy or, or anything besides this like not very good hospital that I was in. It was, I think, just just to keep me from killing myself. I don't think I really got anything else out of it um, except for a time to kind of heal and like recalibrate. And so I started to say no anytime anybody asked me a yes or no question. And the more I wanted to say yes, the more I made myself say no. Like I wanted to say, like like when somebody offered me like tickets to like a concert, I really wanted to see. I was like, oh, like, you know, like there was so much on the line. I had to say no just to know I could. It was like some weird, like, and I'm, I, I still kind of look back and go, how did that 22 year old know how to do that? Like that, that just says that wisdom is intrinsic in us because like, I, I, I have no idea where that came from. And yet I found a way to kind of like save my life. That was like the, the fundament of me changing my life and me wanting to actually live is just knowing that I could trust myself in that way. I'm not going to say it became like, like, you know, maybe the next year turned around and I started to allow myself to say yes more often and, and stuff. And it, because I did it on my own and because I did it without support, it took me a long time to master this or to get it even into a place that it was like really, really working for me, but intrinsically just like that foundation level really was the game changer. It really turned the tide about me wanting to even be here and be really in any type of healthy relationship with people. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I, I admire indeed the 22 year old version of yourself that found that very powerful principle. <laughs> That's incredible. It took me many more decades to be there. Um, but I'm curious if that would mean, like if someone were to come to you and say like, hey, I need help building better, better boundaries, would you say like, hey, just start saying no to everything? Is that actually an exercise you would recommend? I think, I, yeah, I think I would, uh, first of all, I would take in like, what their particular like issue is with boundaries, because that's not going to be the same for, for everyone. Um, some people can say no. Uh, so that might not, this might not be the medicine. You know, everybody's got their own medicine, but it is something that like, you know, people have come to me for, for, I, I'm a self self-titled boundary queen. I call myself. Yes, that is queen and king collaborated together because I feel both of those things. Uh, and so people do ask me for that. And that is one, one practice that I'll just say like, Hey, play with this. See if that's it, it, it. See if you get any result out of it, alter it to your own thing. But for some people saying no is just almost next to impossible. And so just like, Hey, maybe it's a week, maybe try it for a weekend. Maybe try it with this one person in your life that you always like, maybe it's a parent or a sibling or a partner, like just say like, Hey, for the next month, like maybe you have somebody that's supportive to you and say like, for the next month, every time, like you ask me a question, I'm going to say no to you. Can you just call me up every day and go, Ooh, I'd like to give you a million dollars today. 
how's that? And you have to go, no, thank you. Like we do this in, uh, I, I've given consent workshops. And that's just like a, a really, really like basic boundary practice in a consent workshop is like, you just have to go up to somebody and say, okay, like whatever I ask you, you need to say no. So would you like a head massage? And they're like, no, <laughs> you know, like, mm, would you like me to cover your face with kisses? And, no. And like, you know, some of the things people go, oh yeah, no, that's easy. And then you keep poking to try to see if you can get something that's hard for them to say. And of course, that's a really beginner thing at a workshop, but you can see some people just, just in this like really simple thing, they go, that was really deeply confronting and really triggering and very difficult. And that's where I might just go like, maybe this is something that you need to take to the next level. Yeah, what, what strikes me is how little we have good examples of this when we grow up. Like I remember growing up in a world where this didn't exist. Nobody ever said no to anyone. Everyone always avoided a yes. Let's say they would go like something vague, something like, Oof. and I've, I just can't really understand now anymore from my perspective, like, wait, but why is that? What is that shame of saying no somehow? And I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that. I do. I do have a thought about that. Um, I was, I don't know where I got this one from. I, yeah, some, some, sorry, unnamed source. So I will, <laughs> I will just give that to you. I was reading a bit about um, our shift from being communal tribal society to being a more individualist society. And again, there is light and shadow that comes with all of those things that we have a lot that are still like kind of like left over from living in more communal societies. I mean, there's still, and I, of course we have a really like Western viewpoint of this. Like, I mean, the more of the Western is more of a, of a individualist while we still have indigenous culture, for example, which are still very communal and, uh, and thinking about the tribe as a whole. So when you don't separate self from other, that actually has some beautiful bet in, in which like, oh, there's, there's a different yes that's working on that level. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not separate. So like there's, there's, there's like saying no often feels like you're pushing away other, or there's, there's something that gets really, again, very wrapped up in that. And we're, you know, humans are so binary. It's like, yes or no, instead of like, like I said, um, when we go into like, for instance, the boundary practice and we go into more of like refinement between the yes and no, where it's not just a yes to everything or no to everything. We have the, of course, the practice where you say yes to everything. Somebody says, oh, can I slap you in the face? And you go, yes. And of course we tell them you're not actually going to do this thing, but just see what it feels like in your body that you're actually saying yes to something that you don't want. And then of course we go into a place that we go, okay, what about no, but, which is, um, hey, I'd really like to kiss you on the mouth. You'd be like, mm, no, I do not want you to kiss me on the mouth. But you can kiss me right here on the cheek. You know, finding this way. So again, like I think when we're kids, again, it gets really binary. It's like, you know, uh, everything, this whole idea about like 
saying no isn't polite or, you know, uh, again, even like the very basic of the, of the English language, no is a negative and P and, and yes is a positive and everybody wants to be positive and nobody wants to be negative. It's like, it's all wrapped up in this like deep psychology. And it's funny because I just have learned that just no is one of like my like favorite words, you know, so I love it so much. And of course, when you're saying no to one thing, it means that you're saying yes to something else. And sometimes, of course, the most like preliminary thing is like, I'm just saying yes to myself by saying no to you. And then can we meet there? And then how can we find out where we're a common yes or where there's something that overlaps? Beautiful. I think there's so much more to go into here, but I would like to move on to something else sure. because I'm also mindful of the time. I'm really curious if you could tell me what is still difficult for you in relating to self or other. Mm, mm, I love that question. One thing that I kind of started to unpack the last couple of years. Um, so also in my work, we talk a little bit about damnation and damnation is when we Yeah, it's, it's a classification that we do about things. Like we damn things as good or bad, for example. We damn things, uh, you know, one of the, one, a common, a common like uh, example that we get is like cops are bad or police are good or, or um, this, just all these like big ticket items get put into one thing. We don't have the nuance or understand again that there's light and shadow that comes with everything. And one thing that I kind of did unpack a little bit for myself this last couple of years is codependence. And, you know, I think there was a long time where, yes, I, I labeled myself as codependent and that was something to overcome in myself and something to change and something to heal. Um, and I think it was just like, last year where I was really struggling, of course, like, you know, most, most of our universes all had just gotten very, very small, you know? Um, so it was, I guess the winter before this. So I guess it was the end of 2020 when I just realized like there was like two or three people in my life. Like, I mean, I just, I went all into, to this being the people that I was going to see and be in constant contact with. Uh, and they were all in some level of like, starting to to dissipate you know my um one of them was having um deep suicidal iterations um which me meant i was possibly losing them another person had just had a massive um cardiac arrest and was going in out of hospital and i was possibly losing them and the third person was just struggling in their life so what was unhappy enough with their life which meant that they were struggling with our relationship And so like these three main things and I was just noticing, like, again, at first as emergent of like what I call like my codependent self and like struggling with that. And I think I was, I was in a conversation with my colleague who, by the way, has really worked with codependency has been, you know, has been a recovering alcoholic and addict for many years. And so it was really on that chain. And I said, I said, you know, there's a part of my codependent self that I actually love I said, I really love this part of me that really needs people and really wants to be like attached 
Like there's something, there's also like this beautiful gift that comes with being attached and being so deeply relational. And I was like, I want to free myself in that way. And I notice I'm, I'm, I, I'm obviously still working on it because I just like still notice like so much tenderness and tears welling up about thinking this part of myself that I, you know, the first 30 years of my life was so deeply in. And then I spent the next, you know, then there was like an overlap of me recognizing, but feeling paralyzed to, to do anything about it or feeling helpless to do anything about it. And the next 15 years kind of like damning that part of myself and trying to heal it and trying to force it to change and trying to put up all these blocks around it. Um, so I'm still trying to like find this balance in like welcoming this part of myself and understanding that there's light and shadow in that too. And it is a constant tightrope that I'm walking again between that self and other of like what is too much and what is too little or, and even the word too is a damnation. Like, is this in balance? Is this serving me now in this moment? Or like me just owning it? Like, I want to be attached to you. Like I'm noticing just wanting to just cleave to you. I'm like, how is that for you? Do you, do you enjoy this? Like, am I just doing this for myself? And like, ultimately it is all about me. And is there really such a thing as codependency? <laughs> because ultimately it is serving me. And so that's, that's, I would think would be like one of my, still my major challenges is like still really welcoming this part of myself and understanding that from my, from my makeup, that this will probably always be my tendency. And can I also love that about myself? Hmm, I love it. Yeah, I, I hear you so much. And I think that's where for me, compassion comes in, like self-compassion. I try to practice that whenever I feel something like that, something that is perhaps not, not perfect or not good enough or whatever it is. And then I go like, yeah, but this is me right now. This is, this is who I am. And yes, maybe I have this desire that I know maybe is not the best way to handle things, but it's okay. And yeah, that, that really helps me also to, to just welcome all parts of myself and then sit with them and, and just notice this warmth and kindness in myself for myself. And then, then these things don't matter so much anymore. And then it's, yeah, so important. What about you? I'm so curious. Like, <laughs> I'm so curious. Like, what, what about you? Like, what is, what is one of the, like, the bigger challenges that you end up working on your, like, that you're still, maybe your, your favorite challenge, your favorite current personal challenge? Natasha, I have a suggestion. Yeah. What I honestly feel is that this is a wonderful conversation and I would like to go on for quite a bit longer, but I also want to be mindful of the time. And I think we yeah. need to kind of like slowly go towards the end of this conversation. So what I would love to propose you is that you come back some other time. I'd love that. And we continue the conversation and maybe you can ask me a few questions that you're curious about. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. I did notice like suddenly I was like, oh, even though I know I am a guest on your podcast, it is like, and especially for me, it's like, I love the the flow of like two ways. And I am now suddenly like, oh, I feel so uh, warm in the light of your, of your questions and your attention. And I notice also wanting to respond in kind. So uh, 
Yeah, so thank you. I I appreciate the invitation back. Yeah. Wonderful. Then we'll organize that. Um, If I may, I would like to end with one question that I traditionally always ask. Um, And that is, if there's one question that you would have liked to really answer, but that I haven't asked you, what would it be? I feel so, maybe this is, I I hope this doesn't disappoint you. (laughs) I don't, I can't think of one. Like there's, it would just be like me trying to like, force one out of my mind, I feel so full and rich and content uh, and really seen uh, by your questions that like, I'm not missing anything. Uh, and so that's, that's what I can say about that. I don't feel missed. Yeah. Beautiful. And I want to share that I am not in the least disappointed that answer. <laughs> That's absolutely great. I had no attachment to any outcome. So Super. <laughs> very, very easy for me. Natasha, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed that. And I already look forward to part two of this conversation. Me too. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you too. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.